recollection of a dead person in the casket. And the memories of waking up in the night, uh, knowing I'm not alone in the room. We have three cities that all claim to be the UFO capital of the entire world. So when she turned on the kids' light, it stopped walking. My parents told me these things didn't exist. They're a little more ominous creepy, scary, and the question is, Larry, what, what is this thing? Hovering just inches from the window was literally, is what you'd imagine a grade to be. Never seen anything like this in my life. I'm still left with more questions than answers. If you've had an encounter, please contact me at somedreamland at gmail.com or find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Somewhere in Dreamland Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please help it grow by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing this episode with friends, family, and social media. Also, check out the new donation button on the show's main page and be on the lookout for the Dream Vault, an all-new members only section with exclusive extra content tonight's show is a two-parter with guest preston denny preston has been in the field of ufology and the paranormal for over 35 years beginning his journey into the strange in 1986 when he discovered that his friends family and co-workers were having dramatic unexplained encounters since then preston has become a mufon field investigator a ghost hunter a paranormal researcher, and the author of over 27 books and hundreds of articles about UFOs and the paranormal. So without further ado, grab your blankets, turn down the lights, get comfy, and let's fade away into... Alrighty, sir. Well, I'm excited to have you on, Preston. Uh, you're a wealth of knowledge, and uh, I can't wait for my audience to be able to to hear some of the stories that you have and some of the things that you've collected. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, how long have you been in the field of ufology, and, and what exactly got you started? Pretty standard question. I think everybody asks you that, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> Gosh, when I look back, I'm kind of shocked. It's been a long time, most of my life, actually, 35 years almost. Uh, it was really the pivotal event was November 17, 1986. At that time, I was very skeptical of UFOs and really anything paranormal at all. Uh, but there was this news story about a sighting over Alaska, a pretty famous sighting, very well known, I think, in the UFO community, certainly, uh, about a sighting over Alaska by Captain Kenju Tiroshi. Uh, his plane was basically followed by two very large walnut-shaped UFOs, alien craft, I'll call them, uh, but bigger than his uh, commercial jet. And uh, it was on radar. It was a big case, but on the news, they just kind of joked about it, laughed nervously, and moved on. Uh, but it intrigued me. I thought, well, this it, this poor pilot, you know, what a fool. 
He's throwing his life away over a lie or a misperception. This is kind of what I was thinking. And uh, I remembered my brother Mark had said he'd seen a UFO. And that was a good, you know, seven or eight years earlier. But I just didn't want to hear it back then. Uh, I was a pretty young man at this time. I'm like, let's say, 21 years old. So I go up to Mark. I'm like, Mark, did you hear about this crazy pilot? He said he saw a UFO. You, you said you saw one, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, you, you never listened to me. And I'm like, well, I'll tell me what you said, think you saw, <laughs> what you think you saw, right? Right. <laughs> and uh, he shocked me. Uh, I, I mean, I knew he wasn't lying when he described this very close-up sighting. He was with his two friends, Phil and Greg, and basically chased this metallic-looking saucer down the street for a good 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, he says they were real close up to it. It was treetop level, colored lights, metallic, had a dome, totally silent. Pretty much your classic case. I'm like, you're kidding. He's like, no, no. We, we passed other cars. They were watching it. No, call Phil. Call Greg if you don't believe me. And it's not that I didn't believe him, but I did. I called <laughs> Phil and, <laughs> I, 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 I called Phil and Greg. And they're like, yep. Yep. They described basically the same thing. I'm like, huh. I'm like, really? I think, my gosh, you know, I just can't believe in this. I just can't believe it. Uh, but I, it was clear he wasn't lying and misperceiving, and I had no other explanation. So I started asking other people. <laughs> and that was a big mistake because I found <laughs> out. <laughs> I mean, seriously, a lot of people I knew were having encounters or had had encounters or actually would soon have encounters. Wow. So, I mean, seriously, I had my friend Jason, would be a year later, he had a major encounter. A couple of family friends, Sylvia, she was a pilot, scuba diver, you know, a good witness. Yeah. She, she, she had an egg-shaped object fly right over her house. Like, ah, yeah, I was drawn outside. Me and my friend saw it. I'm like, you and your friend. Every person I talked to had another witness or multiple witnesses with them. My sister-in-law, people at work. Uh, I had a friend who had missing time. Someone at work had missing time. They were followed home from the library. So, uh, yeah, it hit home for me, literally. <laughs> wow, and then um, kind of, you got the bug right there, huh? Yeah, yeah, and once you catch the bug, that's it. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> I mean, you got it. And uh, I started checking out books. I'm like, I'm going to disprove these guys. These, mm, I was mad. <laughs> I was you know, not happy about this because, I don't know, I felt a little bit scandalized. Yeah. Uh, this wasn't really taken seriously. But I'm checking out these books, like, you know, the... Let's see, the Travis Wallen incident, uh, Betty and Barney Hill case, a uh, bunch of, you know, Betty Andreessen, the Roswell incident. I'm like, man, what? There's a government cover-up? This has been going on for years. This is widespread. There's mountains of evidence. I ended up joining MUFON, Mutual UFO Network. Took their uh, test to become a field investigator. Uh, it was a very difficult test. But I did well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. Awesome. Awesome. Now, did you have any personal experiences uh, before that that you didn't realize? I don't think so. You know, I, I don't know. I'm going to put a big question mark there. Because I do remember as a little kid having a weird incident where... I don't know how to describe this other than I missed lunch. <laughs> I fell asleep or something. 
but I didn't fall asleep. I, I just don't know what the heck happened. I don't normally talk about this, but you asked, so. <laughs> right, hey, I'm good. Um, so I'm like, <sighs> I, and I look back on that and it keeps coming up in my head because I don't miss lunch. You know, we had six <laughs> kids in our family. We needed our food. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, I, so possibly I remember seeing pictures of uh, mongoloid children, which are very much like greys. And yeah. it was shocking to me because I got a really weird feeling looking at that. And I'm like, huh. But it's just kind of very vague stuff like that. But I have to tell you, shortly after I got into this, I mean, really not long after, I did start having sightings. And some were mm. like crazy close. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I think, I think, I think that you may have had something going on there man i think i think there's still pieces of the puzzle out there for you to put together on that yeah you know i'm gonna agree with that because it it is in my family i mean i do have a sister-in-law who saw grays face to face face to face 10 feet away wow that that's you know can't be a coincidence uh her son my nephew had humanoids in his bedroom as a young kid i made sure he didn't forget it i remember I would always ask him about it, and then a couple of years later, as he's you know a young adult, I reminded him. He's like, "Oh my god, I completely forgot about that." I'm like, "Yeah, I bet you did." <laughs> um, but saw UFOs. Well, I have another nephew, real close-up sighting of a UFO. Uh, my brother, of course, and uh, get this: after he, you know he he chased this object, right? He was real close, you know, cu- a couple of hundred feet. That's a red flag for me. I've learned that if you're seeing a UFO and it's like a hundred feet away, that's a red flag for a close encounter. This could be oh. an actual onboard case. And it was some years later, he you know, marries my other sister-in-law, who also had encounters face-to-face with ETs as a little girl. Which is, I'm like, okay, now I have two sister-in-laws. <laughs> Weird. Uh, um, so, th- yeah. And uh, she's, like, sitting next to him one day. This is when they're pretty young. And she's just kind of petting his arm. <laughs> and she's like, what's this in your arm? And Mark w- looks down, and on the inside of his, I think it was his left elbow, there's this thing right under his skin, like a m- half matchstick sort of, like this object right under his skin. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, he told me and I felt, you know, I, you could palpate it with your fingers. You could touch it. And I'm like, Mark, what the heck is this? He's like, when did you notice this? Like, I, you know, we just, just now, I mean, not too long ago, I took him to a doctor who's also a UFO, you know, a MUFON field investigator, actually. The doctor's like, oh my God, <laughs> what the heck is this? I'm like, eh, I don't know. We ended up getting an x-rayed. Uh, they couldn't tell what it is. It appeared to be a foreign body. They didn't think it was metallic. Uh, but they had no explanation for it. And it eventually just kind of disappeared. Oh, it disappeared. Yep. I was going to ask if you ever got it taken out or if it disappeared. No, I kind of regret because it was right there on the surface. I mean, you couldn't see it, but you could, if you just felt it, you could feel it. And it was a hard, hard object. You could definitely feel it. Now, did he have any any other signs? Did he have like uh, scoop marks or anything weird like that? No, no. Did have a, a few alien dreams, but nothing that I would like 
wasn't laying out a table being examined or anything. Right, uh, right. Uh, so I don't know, but it, it just interests me because that is something I've certainly heard from other people, these weird implant type things. And he did marry my sister-in-law who does have all kinds of uh, alien connections, I guess. She saw little blue humanoids as a young girl for two weeks coming into her bedroom. And they, she's like, what are you doing? And they told her. They said, we are recording your memories. And that Weird. Was, yeah, that was intriguing to me because that's not the first person who's told me that. Really? Oh, yeah. Yep, that's something they do. They're kind of very interested in our emotional makeup, our experiences, this sort of thing. I wonder what they're using those memories for. <laughs> uh, hard to say. Hard to say. I can only speculate, but I think it's part of just their whole project of studying us. Yeah. Well, that's that's weird, man. So how many cases would you say you've researched or investigated altogether? Take a while. It's got to be a guess, man, because there's no way you, you can possibly know. No, I actually should have kept a logbook and counted. It's hundreds. It's easily hundreds. I've talked to thousands of people because, you know, I go to these conventions and... I don't, I'm not recording these. Most of them I don't record, but I'm certainly talked to thousands of what I would call contactees or experiencers. Uh, but a good three, four hundred, possibly more, uh, full on, you know, recorded interviews. I mean, shoot, I've written 20, let's see, 28, maybe 29. I'm somewhere around there, books, over 100 yeah. articles. I was going to ask you how many. I'm reading one right now. I'm I'm reading the uh, the wondrous uh, 25 uh, true UFO encounters, and I'm absolutely loving it so far. Oh, awesome! Yeah, that's that's the latest. That one does contain my sister-in-law's uh, encounter with the little blue guys. Oh, I haven't I haven't got it that far <laughs> yet, but I, I can't wait, man, because I'm really that first. First of all, the first story in that book was was. <laughs> really awesome i love that first story in that book oh yeah I mean, that's r- riveting that's why i put it first because a lady a teacher i mean she was very you know what what would i put just a good interview she's really smart very clear gave a great interview wrote it down for me the whole deal and the reason she contacted me was because she was looking for information on what she saw and couldn't find anyone anywhere who saw anything close to what she saw, which was basically, well, <laughs> a 15-foot-tall being, a praying mantis-type being. And uh, it turned out I did have a case from a Navy medic, of all people, uh, who was taken on board a craft and did see uh, actually three 15-foot-tall praying, praying mantis-type figures, ETs. That's what I think they are, ETs. I mean, I'm hands down a believer. I can't really prove it, prove it. But that's my assessment. What we're dealing with here is extraterrestrials. I was going to ask you what your... Because there are so many theories out there as to what this these things could be. Um, and more often than not, most people think that when they think of alien, they think of the greys. They don't, I don't think they realize that there are probably many different races and types of these creatures that are, that are visiting us. 
And, uh, but there are theories out there, like, you know, uh, you got the, uh, interdimensional travelers. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, there's lots of different, and a lot of them are fascinating, but I don't feel like any of those explain, uh, the whole story. You know what I mean? Like the only one that really explains that would it be for it to be an extraterrestrial. Yeah. Yeah. That I totally agree. And there are a lot of theories. I mean, interdimensional beings. Okay. You know, what put it, you know, sort of lying, pretending to be ETs. Uh, so the demonic theory, there's people yep. who are, you know, very religious who believe they're demons. I ended up doing <laughs> demonology research i mean that's i seriously did i checked out all the books i did a bunch of haunting research bunch of ghost hunting went out to haunted places talked to people who had you know possession experiences uh it was some scary stuff but no i can tell you hands down it's not demons which i do think are probably real don't think it's angels either uh, because i looked into that i don't think I, th- I would say the second most popular theory is this sort of interdimensional being, uh, which is a theory put forth by a number of researchers who are pretty well educated, like Jacques Vallée or, you know, John Keel, Lauren Coleman, uh, Jerome Clark. Because some of these encounters are just strange and symbolic and just so weird. It's like, really? Yeah. Is this aliens? I'm like, yes, it is. I think it is. And, and I'll tell you why. Because one, I've talked to a lot of people and most of them by far think this is what they're dealing with, extraterrestrials. And secondly, it's the theory that best fits the evidence. I mean, we've, yeah. got, we've got radar returns, what look like craft. I mean, they're metallic. They've got windows. <laughs> you know, they have landing struts sometimes. They let land and leave burns on the ground uh, we've yep. got photographs of them films uh medical evidence you know people are struck by a beam of light or something and get radiation sickness where does that come from uh and furthermore when someone is quote you know taken on board abducted they're not in their bed you know they're not at the bus stop <laughs> people are looking all over for them in many cases they're just gone where are they they are somewhere, and it does not appear to be on Earth because their the, their family can't locate them. Their friends are gone. They are somewhere, and they're not here. Yeah, but really, the ET theory is so darn logical. I mean, if if there are no ETs, where does that leave us as beings alone in the universe? We're the only biological things out there. I that makes no sense at all. And no, not not at all. I I agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, my main problem, I think, with the the theory, which you know, I don't think there's even a really good name for it. The the intelligence that sort of tracks cultures and puts on shows and pretends to be ETs, uh, the phenomenon I've heard it called. Uh, it's very anthropocentric. It's very much like all about us. Like ETs are here for us, about us, generated by us. Like mm, that just stinks. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's too self-centered. Anything that's so, you know, anthro- anthropocentric, I guess that's the best word for it, uh, has been disproven throughout history. 
Well, that's that's kind of the human way, right? Is to make everything about us all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do, right? Yeah, yeah. I just I'm not convinced. I think the theory that best fits the evidence is extraterrestrial. And just look at the Roswell UFO crash. If that is real, and it's not just Roswell. I mean, there are hundreds of these things. And if you look into this, if you dig deep, uh, it's pretty darn clear our military and militaries across the world have gotten a hold of these craft and the bodies. I mean, you can't go to a, you know, a place and look at them. This is pretty much relying on eyewitness testimony, which is such a shame because it's the best evidence ever. But if it's true, and I'm pretty sure it is, all bets are off. We know it. It's not a mystery anymore. These are ETs and our government knows it. They know it, know it, know it. Here they are saying, ah, we're having sightings that could be clutter. It could be balloons. They could be Chinese, German. Swamp gas, right? (laughs) Swamp gas. (laughs) They're still waffling on, and they're like, we're we're investigating sightings. I'm like, really simple sightings? That's what you're investigating. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Right. We know full on well that you've got these craft. I don't believe a word they say. We're not going to get disclosure from them becoming more and more clear to me that they are not going to tell the truth un- until and unless they absolutely have to. Yeah, and I, I agree with that 100%. Like, uh, I have a, a friend who doesn't believe in any of it, any of it. He, he never has, and we've talked often about it. And, uh, and you know, when whenever they came out, whenever they first started coming out with this, you know, the releasing the footage and this and that, he's like, well... I guess it is true. Uh, you know, the, the government says it is. And I'm like, man, like, why are you taking their word for it? We like, we already knew this. And you're just waiting for confirmation from them to say that, that we, I mean, and they're, what they're giving you is, is not even good evidence compared to what is out there. So why <laughs> right? would you believe that? You know, like, I don't know. Like some people, I guess, are easily, uh, e- easily, I don't know. Hey, I get I, it. You know, our government, we're supposed to be able to trust them, but just look at their history. <laughs> this is not the only subject they've lied about. Right. Um, and I don't mean to be, you know, a hater, uh, but to, when it comes to UFOs, I am just going to lay it out. They've lied about it from the beginning. They knew this was real very early on and launched a publicity campaign to make UFO witnesses look like liars, drug addicts, Hoaxers, stupid. Uh, I mean, Project Blue Book is a good example. Jalen Hynek has said this. He defected. He's like, they are not putting any attention towards the good cases. And when they, it's something that's obviously Venus, that's what they publicize. And when something lands, they attack the witness and says, let's look for a psychological defect. Let's, you know, search their history and see if we can find some way to discredit them. These are not nice people. I hate to say it, but they are taking the wrong path on this. And I think they're going to pay the price at some point. Who was it? Richard? Who's the other big disinformation agent? Uh, was it Richard? I think I get it wrong. Doty? Was it Doty? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a disinformation artist for sure. Who's was still in the whole UFO circuit, you know, t- talking to people. Like, really, you guys, are you going to talk to him after what he's, we know he's done? 
And there's, yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> he admitted it, didn't he? he said, yeah. Yes, I, I'm a disinformation agent. He made, uh, I mean, the, the one case, didn't, didn't that guy end up killing himself? Yeah, Paul Benowitz. Yep. Yeah, Benowitz. Yeah, it's just quite a shame. And for people to say, oh, the you know, UFOs aren't real, there's no cover-up, I'm like, hold on. <laughs> Look at the documents released through the Freedom of Information Act. The Citizens Against UFO Secrecy sued the NSA, National Security Agency, and lost. And the judge said, no, we're not releasing these documents. It's far, the national security issue far outweighs any benefit that would be gained by releasing these documents. And what we have gotten is severely blacked out. But we know for sure that they've been hovering over military bases. I mean, look at the Malmstrom incident. Yeah. I've got a first-hand witness case in this latest book. He stepped forward uh, and told his participation in this event where they actually shut down the missiles. Uh, they, our government knows. They know, no, no. So any, any statements to the contrary are just disingenuous. They're lies. In your opinion, what do you think the reasoning behind keeping that from us is? Because, you know, there's there are lots of theories behind that, too. I just want to know what yours, what you think. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of researchers have kind of specialized in that aspect. I haven't, but I know Stanton Friedman did a lot of research into this. One thing is very clear. This was a policy covering up adopted very early on, you know, from like the Roswell incident in 1947, earlier, actually. 42 even, uh, onward. And uh, so they've kind of painted themselves into a corner a little bit. But ultimately, what it is, I think it's greed. It's power. They have a hold of this technology and they are not willing to release it. We have an oil-based economy uh, and the military-industrial complex, one percenters, the highest levels of the Navy, uh, you know, the Army, Air Force, these are the guys who are covering this up. They're not elected officials. Uh, they're in for life if they want, We and we can't do anything about it. They have a huge, endless black budget. Uh, so we're in a little bit of a pickle here trying to get this information out there because they are not letting it go. They have this technology. I think it's breed, but mainly that's the main driver. Uh, I don't think it's, oh, because the world's going to panic. I'm like, no, you guys haven't panicked. I mean, you guys know all about this, and you're just fine. The people would be fine. We could handle it. We are handling it without your help. Thank you. Uh, Right. So. so. (laughs) I mean, okay, so a lot of people out there also think that that they they have been and they are still conditioning us for a full disclosure as far as movies and TV and all that. What are your feelings on that? Uh, it is interesting, isn't it, that all the top, well, not all, but like half the top grossing movies have ETs in them. That This is the number one subject in science fiction. That's all over advertising. It's saturated video games. It's saturated our entire culture. I think there is a publicity campaign with this subject, but I think it's largely enacted by the ETs themselves who who are trying and pushing towards open official contact, which I think will happen. They are doing a very vigorous campaign to announce their presence and have been from the very beginning. 
with these huge waves of sightings like Gulf Breeze or Hudson Valley, New York, or let's see, the Phoenix Lights, the, yeah. the Topanga Canyon wave. Uh, there's all these Belgium wave. I mean, this, there was a wave in France in 1954 that convinced that country <laughs> for sure that this stuff is real. I mean, the, <laughs> these ETs have been slowly escalating contact on a very sort of regular basis, hitting town after town, going to individuals, small groups, sometimes large groups, and letting it be known that they are real. They are taking a lot of people on board, not just a few. I heard a quote from Jalen Hynek, one in 40 people have been taken on board a craft. And that was early on in my research. I'm like, hell no, no way. There's, <laughs> there's just not a chance. I would know somebody then who's been abducted. And that's when I started. I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask everybody. I'm going to ask everybody I know because I think I know 50 people. Yeah. and Or 40. And uh, I didn't have to ask 40, actually. I found like five uh, in my circle of family, friends, and coworkers who show all those markers. And the, you know the Roper organization? Uh, they are a survey organization. They do polls. And they, tackle, yeah. they tackled the UFO subject in 1991 and asked thousands of people a series of questions. Some of which were hidden little secret questions pointing towards, are you an abductee? Meaning like, you know, have you had missing time? Have you had a close-up UFO setting? Do you have weird scars on your body that you can't explain? Healings or injury, you know, balls of light in your home. All these little questions. And they found one in 50 people show the markers of being an abductee. So this is common. This is not, you know, super. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's not super rare. So, let me ask you this. Let's go back to the uh, to the aliens making their presence known, or the the extraterrestrials making their presence known. Yeah. Why do you think they're taking so long to do it? Like, why do you think they're going so slow? And do you think that our government has had communications with them, and maybe they worked something out that way? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Uh, yeah, I do think that they went to the government first. And uh, a really famous incident, which no one has been able to debunk, occurred at Edwards Air Force Base in February of 1954. Uh, you may have heard of this. It's a pretty wild story. Uh, but it broke immediately afterwards, after it happened, that UFOs landed at Edwards Air Force Base and had diplomatic relations with President Eisenhower who disappeared from view for a few days there in February. The press went crazy because, you know, they track the president's every move. Uh, one newspaper even said, he's died. You know, he died of a heart attack. They retracted it. Uh, and the president later said, oh, no, I just had a dental emergency. <laughs> uh, but researchers have been tracking this for a while, a bunch of them. And uh, from the very beginning, reports came out that this happened, that he was there when UFOs landed. Aliens came out. Uh, there was a lot of people there. Edwin Norris of the Brookings Institute. Um, allegedly Albert Einstein. Some very famous rocket scientists. Uh, people, you know, Bishop McIntyre, a major religious leader. 
people from pretty much every field of society at the top level there were there. And there was you know, a major researcher, uh, Gerald Light. He was the one who kind of really broke the story. Uh, but at any rate, what ha- supposedly happened is these ETs had a conversation with President Eisenhower and other world leaders and uh, said that we want you to stop testing nuclear power. You are ripping holes in other dimensions. You are damaging your planet. You don't know what you're messing with. And we refused to stop. And we wanted their technology. And they said, no, no, you're abusing technology. What you need is spiritual wisdom. And we weren't interested in that. And they said, we want to disclose. And President Eisenhower, I think he was one who was for it, but most the others were not. There was some dissension about that. But ultimately, it is our government decided not to disclose the ET presence because they, they were ready. They wanted to disclose. They actually took him on board a UFO, gave him a ride, showed him how they can turn their craft invisible. Put a lot of research into this. And most of the researchers who have looked into it have credited it as a real event. And uh, yeah, I looked deeply into it when I wrote a book, UFOs Over California, and I was shocked. <laughs> Um, I mean, Edwards Air Force Base is UFO central. It's not just that one event. This all kinds of stuff is going on there with, you know, reverse engineering craft and sightings and landings. And I mean, it goes on and on. But it's. I'll tell you, I'd like to see the footage of that. I know there's footage of that Eisenhower deal. I know there is. Yep. One of the witnesses who was there said that footage was taken. Wow. Um, And that's what i'd like to see in this upcoming you know 70 page disclosure report that's supposed to be forthcoming i mean we had a what was it six pages of of pure nonsense yeah um so and they're like ah we have no evidence that this is extraterrestrial i'm like yes you do you're lying when you say that that's a flat-out lie so there is i think there was an effort to disclose and we did not take that opportunity, and that's when the ETs um, amount, you know, conducted what amounts to a grassroots campaign, and are going from person to person. Um, I found some really interesting cases that sort of point towards this. You know that uh, case in Rua, Zimbabwe, where UFOs landed at Aerial Elementary School. Yeah, that's a great case. Yeah, right, it's an amazing case. Some. 200 kids on the playground <laughs> like over 60 of them saw this craft land beings came out communicated with some but it's not unique there's also the hillsdale college incident there was an incident at brookhaven elementary school in wales there was a case in florida crestview elementary school and i started looking into it and i found over a hundred cases no kidding a hundred where they are hovering over schools or landing. This is during the day. This is, these are not brief flybys. These are long-lasting sightings. 30% of the cases, they're landing next to the school. Flat-out landing, and humanoids are being seen. This is part of their campaign to announce their presence. Very clever. They're doing it to elementary-age students who are really impressionable, you know, have no judgment on UFOs. Probably, most of them have never heard of the, like, that term, even. 
Yeah. So that is clever. Yeah, and I think it's been very effective to convince the younger generation certainly that this is real. And I did a whole so book on feel, that. Yeah. Do you feel like they're doing it this way as opposed to just because I've had this discussion with people before and they say, "Well, I mean, if they've got that technology and they've got that much this and that, then why don't they just land and and uh, you know, one day all land all their ships right here and say, "Here we are." And then we'd all know. And I said, "Well, because we as humans are warring people and we would probably all start shooting at them and it probably wouldn't turn out well. Yeah, I think that's one of the main things. In fact, I'm convinced it is because that's what the contactees I'm interviewing have been told, that we are far too warlike, far too judgmental, far too shoot first, ask questions later, and that it would cause damage to our society. And they have tried similar incidents. I mean, Remember in 1954, no coincidence there, they came down over the White House. Seriously. And everyone saw them. This was on radar. We've talked to the people, researchers have, who were there and saw this on their scopes. Um, Talked to the people who were in the planes, vectored after them to try to intercept them. And uh, basically, yeah, we tried to shoot at them and they took off. But they are doing this campaign in a way that is going to gently and you know get us used to their presence so that those who are mired in skepticism or you know mired in fundamentalist religious beliefs or just not willing to look at the evidence don't lose their minds <laughs> uh, when this does happen because I think it will I think we yeah. are moving towards this and it could be real soon I think they're for they're actually forcing the government's hand in, in doing some of this right now, uh, and they're ultimately going to end up making them come forward with it by yep. doing this. Yep, I totally agree. When you say that, because that's the conclusion I've come to. That like, why is the government not now disclosing what's in it for them? Because they don't usually do stuff for the benefit of humanity. I mean, look at the civil rights movement. That was not embraced by our government. <laughs> uh, right. um, this was something that they were basically forced to do because there was so much civil unrest. And it's sort of the same thing with this UFO movement. I think they know, they have been told that the ETs are not going to stand for this and uh, w- will put on a display that is absolutely indisputable. Just think of the Phoenix Lights happened in today's times instead of 90 uh what was it 94 97 yeah, i um, think it was 94 yeah i think you're right i can't remember um somewhere around there march 94 i think it was uh but at any rate that was just prior to cell phones <laughs> that happened now woof man yeah. <laughs> and i think it will i think that because we have these major waves every five ten years somewhere in the world you know whether it's the U.S. or you know, Mexico City had a wave in 91. That was crazy. This was during the solar eclipse. Again, I think they did that on purpose because a lot of people are outside. They're looking up at the sky. And what happens? This silver saucer appears over Mexico City and is filmed by some 30 different witnesses all over the city. And Mexico was forced to be much more forthcoming. Oh, yeah, they're full. They're full in with it, aren't they? I, I'm not going to say full in, but yeah, they had to because 
they couldn't say it's not real when everyone there knows it's real <laughs> they saw it <laughs> they've got the evidence uh, and that's going to ha- I don't think the US is going to be the one that does the big disclosure it's going to be who do you think that'll be um well chile brazil mexico oh, yeah. canada france um, i don't know chile's probably a big one probably 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 up there i don't think it's going to be china or england or us or russia which are you know sort of the big players here uh, yeah but i don't know you know what could happen is someone going to get a hold of evidence I think it's to their benefit. Honestly, I do. They want to remain in control of this subject. They want to remain in control of people's perception of it. And if they don't disclose, they will lose all credibility. And that's another driving force behind disclosure. That's the truth. Yeah. What uh, What? Um. What I'm waiting for is, and I know this is going to happen, and I know that, that I've heard you speak about this before, but it, it I've been thinking this to myself and saying it to, to friends of mine for years. When are we going to get that footage of an, of an actual abduction happening or someone being on in on a, one of these vessels that, that have their cell phone with them? Uh, I am waiting, waiting, waiting for that. I think it's going to happen. So far, the ETs have been very, very careful about how, how much they've allowed themselves to be photographed. I can't tell you how many cases I've investigated where cameras have been shut off or people have a camera and they just forget. There was a, a case in 84 on Catalina Island with 11 witnesses and four of them were photographers and many of them had, there was at least six of them had cameras. They had flashlights, they had wa- watches and what happened was, you know, this UFO comes swooping down and, ho- you know, hovers there for over an hour. And at some point, someone looks at their watch. It's like, my watch stopped at 8.15. And everyone starts looking at their watches. All their watches stopped. They grabbed Ooh. their flashlights. None of their flashlights would work. They, they, they go get their cameras. Every single camera would not function. I had a case as recent as 2006. I think it was 2006. And uh, a, this was involving a group of Boy Scouts. Just happened to be on Catalina Island again, where, where there's a lot of activity. And uh, yeah, two, two of the cell phone cameras, the, the cases where I know of that people lifted them up and tried to photograph it, were powered down. Wow. And I talked to another guy in Virginia. He had a self, brand new digital camera. UFO, it's right there, right overhead. He points it towards this object. Vroom, the camera goes right down to zero power. Moves it away, goes right back up. M- points the viewfinder at the UFO, right down. <laughs> Did this four or five times. Like, well, pff, they're not going to let me take a picture of it. But at some point, you know, they they have let people take pictures of them. There are a number of contactees who've gotten really good photographs. And sometimes people will just there and they take great pictures uh so i think it's coming someone's going to take their cell phone camera on board a ufo i think our government probably has footage of this oh yeah uh but i don't know i don't know how this is all going to roll out and i hate to speculate because boy once you start speculating (laughs) uh, yeah yeah so 
why do you think they're visiting? What are they visiting visiting us for? Why? What is their purpose? Uh well, yeah, I've looked into this because they seem to be obsessed with humans. I mean, obsessed with all things Earth, all things human. And we know, I mean, if you look at the evidence, it's pretty clear they've been around a very long time. I mean, millennia. Just look at Egyptian hieroglyphs. Look at the ancient vinyanas of you know ancient Egypt or uh, India. Look at medieval wood carvings. Uh, look at petroglyphs. Yeah, um, biblical tapestries. I mean, the whole deal. they're in there. Yeah, so we know they've been around a long time, but never in quite the numbers they are since 1947. The modern age of UFOs, Roswell, the atomic age, this is when we really started doing atomic research. And boom, they come in large numbers. 1947, that summer of the Roswell crash, of the Kenneth Arnold sighting, uh, we labeled this the modern age of UFOs because there was a huge, a huge super wave which swept across the U.S. and the world of these objects which had sort of tr- started trickling in earlier than that, you know, the Foo Fighters and all of this, uh, but really sort of ramped up in a big, big way in 1947, pretty much precisely, and hasn't stopped. So I think that... It's not a coincidence. A number of researchers have pointed to this. It's the atomics. That's what drew them in. That's what brought them in large numbers. That's what made them pay attention to the, these humans who are messing around with a force that they don't understand and has the potential to completely kill everyone on Earth. And perhaps, according to you know the contactees I've spoken with, and certainly this is borne out by other people's research, uh, cause damage in other dimensions in other areas we're not even aware of that makes sense so I think that's one of the draws um, one I think is probably they've been watching us a very 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 long time and perhaps upgrading us or genetically intervening certainly uh, so the you know the whole hybrid baby phenomena not so sure that's new uh, I don't know we haven't had the, the the population of Earth wasn't super educated in terms of reading and writing and recording this sort of thing. So this could have been going on for a lot longer than how it appears, which is, you know, the 40s and 50s and 60s. But at any rate, it does appear they're genetically intervening and really are interested in uh, hybridizing with us, particularly the greys. And that makes me wonder if they have an investment going on here with the human species because apparently being human is super special (laughs) they love us they know more about us physically than we do uh they're very interested in our emotions they're very interested in all things human they are obsessed with us i am not sure why but uh, i think part of it is that we probably have a closer relationship with them than we realize i mean don't forget there are human looking ets out there human looking what does that mean about us? I mean, what did we even evolve on this planet? I'm not so sure we did. Uh, and the, if the greys are interbreeding with us, what exactly is our relationship with them? You know, and I think the greys are essentially human. This is what I'm learning from contactees. Uh, that's that's what I 
I think too, I believe that too, that uh, there may be us from the future, like the Greys anyway. Uh, well, they do seem to be able to do time travel. Uh, we know that. <laughs> I mean, people are taken into the past, they've seen taken to the future, seen future events. Uh, I am not convinced they're necessarily us from the future. Uh, but there are some cases you can march out to support that theory. Um, they have told, I mean, there are a few cases that I wonder. But if you look at all the cases in general, a number of people have been told, no, the grades come from Orion. They come from Zeta Reticula. Uh, it's mostly grays, by the way. Mostly, most of the people I talk to, I'm going to say at least 50%, could be as high as 70, will describe grays if they, you know, claim to have ET contact. It's, well, they, you know, they were short, <laughs> large dark eyes, pale skin, diminutive features, bald, wearing jumpsuits, uh, grays. But there's praying mantis, there's human looking. There's another category I call strange humanoids because, let's face it, some are just unique. They, you hear about them once and never again. Just <clears throat> weird 10-foot tall beings or short humanoids or just uniquely described. Very strange. One lady I interviewed who had a schoolyard encounter at Point Elementary in St. Louis, Missouri in 1966 had a UFO land next to her school. She and her fellow classmates all saw it. And there was a humanoid right up next to them, you know, not far away, like 10 feet. And she was very interested, you know, have I heard of description like the one she gave me? I'm like, well, not really. She described this sort of, it was short, had large, dark eyes. That's very common, bald, uh, but it was very muscular looking. And had a face more like a gorilla, she said. Uh, dark, Interesting. Dark-skinned, uh, wearing a jumpsuit, uh, but just n- not quite like I've ever heard before. And I get that a lot. I mean, I, I would say that that's fairly consistent. Well, yeah, mostly grays, but then again, there's a lot of different types of grays, too. Anywhere from these three-foot-tall, really kind of emotionless almost hive-minded type automatons or androids even to a taller sort of willowy more emotional grays four to five feet tall uh, to even you know upwards of six feet um grays still one lady interviewed she was at the office where i work <laughs> uh as a bookkeeper I've, you know, I've worked there for years and years and years uh because uh, you know, I do have to work to make a living, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. And uh, she walks into my office. I don't, you know, I don't preach about UFOs at work, but the word gets out. <laughs> and uh, I hadn't told Connie is her name, even though I'd worked with her for gosh, had to be ten years. She walks into my office, and someone had just given me a little statuette of a gray, which I propped up there in front of my desk in front of my computer. <laughs> And Connie looks at it and gets really wide-eyed and actually lets out this little shriek, <laughs> points to it and says, what the heck is that? I'm like, Connie, what do you mean, what's that? That's a gray. You know what grays are, right? And she's like, oh my God, really? Like, that's an alien? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, I saw one of those. I'm like, really? 
what oh, happened? Wow. Yeah, she described this incredible encounter. She lived in P- Pacoima, I think, at the time. Pretty crowded suburb, had just had her baby. Her baby was a week old. Uh, that put up a red flag for me. Like, How many times have I heard this? They come right when a lady is nine months pregnant, eight months pregnant, or just had her baby. Shoot, it happened to my sister. Had <clears throat> just had her baby when this UFO shows up. But yeah, Connie's woke up and her baby is sleeping in his crib next to the big picture window there. I put this in one of my books, Inside UFOs. Uh, but long story short, this she wakes up because she hears the squeaky sound on the window, <laughs> like someone rubbing their fingers on the window. And she looks up and there's a six-foot-tall gray trying to open the window and trying to get to her baby. That's creepy. <laughs> right? She's screamed. And it's trying to open a window that doesn't open, by the way. <laughs> Like this is this is a stupid gray if it can't figure out that there's no hinges on this window. <laughs> and why isn't it walking through the wall? I don't know. Uh, it's yeah, because they usually do that, right? Right, exactly. So I don't know. It's weird, but it, it's like right there staring at her baby. She leans up in bed and screams, and it looks right at her. They lock gazes, and she realizes this thing is not human. Um, well, she knew that from the very beginning, but now she saw for sure. <laughs> and uh, it slams her back into the bed. Boom. Without any tools or anything, just stares at her and boom, she's paralyzed. Can't cry out. All she can do is feel the tears streaming from her, you know, her eyes. And uh, this thing keeps trying to open the window for another 30 seconds, a minute. <laughs> Finally just walks off. Crazy. That is crazy. Has she had any any encounters since then? No. Of course, that was the first thing I asked her. This was a one-off, as near as I can tell, and that's very unusual. Because ge- yeah. generally, when someone has something like this happen, they had you know these guys coming into their bedroom as a little kid, or their parents will have had an encounter. But after questioning her for a long time, she's like, no, no, nothing. Her son never did. Uh, she told her husband immediately. He's like, honey, you must have been dreaming. She's like, I wasn't dreaming. I'm going to stay with my mom. <laughs> and, and she left for two weeks or a week or so and finally came back and says, can we get some guard dogs? And I was like, sure, sure, fine. Whatever, we'll get you back in the house. And uh, they did. They got guard dogs. And she says, honey, I, I want to move. <laughs> Let's move. <laughs> they did. They moved away. But you can't blame her. It was a one-off. Very strange. Well, that about does it for Dreamland tonight, dreamers. Thanks again for listening, and good night.